Leader Talk. 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 Hi everyone, my name is Natalie Wilson. Welcome to Leader Talk. This show is proudly brought to you by Brainiac. Each week we are meeting with incredible leaders from around the world to discuss all things leadership and business insights. Each person coming on this show has given up their valuable time for one very clear purpose, to give back to small and medium business owners. Many of us will agree that there are many commonalities between sport and business, the setting of goals, the work, the passion and dedication involved, and the celebration of success along the way. Today, my co-host, CEO of Peerlight, Gus Arianto and I are fortunate to chat to an Olympic gold medalist, Emily Cherry. Emily is a former Australian rugby, rugby union player representing Australia. She's here today to share her experiences in elite sport. To Welcome to the show, Emily. Thanks for having me, Nat. Hello, Emily. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Now, Emily, we begin each of these shows with two fun questions that we ask our guests and we have prepared yours. So the first one we'd like to ask you is, can you please tell us what your favourite food is? Favourite food? This is a bit controversial because it's probably not like one particular food, but um, cereal, hands down. Um, any cereal and milk is kind of my favourite food. When I used to play and travel all around the world, I used to sometimes travel um, with my own milk and cereal in the bag just to make sure um, I could have that on tour. Oh, that's any particular brand, Emily? Any particular brand and type? Um, no, I've been criticised in the past for mixing cereals and having anything um, and everything. So um, at the moment it, the flavour is oats, um, oats and honey for breakfast or during the day, but um, now coming into summer it might move to something um, not as warm. <laughs> that's fantastic. And what about your dream holiday destination? Dream holiday destination. Um, I don't know if I can name a specific spot, but it'd have to be somewhere hot. Um, I grew up in Roma in Queensland and I love the heat and I love feeling hot and, uh, you know, being able to go for a swim. So somewhere with um, a beach, a pool and nice weather uh, would be my ideal destination. That is interesting. I came from Indonesia and when I hear the word hot, I live in Melbourne and everyone said to me, uh, why do you hate hot weather? You came from Indonesia, and I said that's why I moved to Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good, uh, Emily. Before we get into a bit of a chat, we're hoping you can tell us a bit about yourself. Um, so, I grew up, as I said, I grew up in the regional town of Roma um, in southwest Queensland. Um, you know, my family. Um, most of them still all live there, so I've got um, you know great connection and great roots. Um, growing back up in there and um, you know I've really missed during this COVID period being able to go home and visit um, and see everyone out there so I can't wait to kind of things open up and I'm able to go back and visit uh, my family and the whole community there. Uh, Growing up in a small town I think you know you get used to facing adversities and um, you know from the very beginning I kind of got chucked in every sport possible. My family, my mum my dad, my whole extended family, like we just, our family revolved around sport. Um, you know, each week was sorting out where we were going for what sport at what time and how we could fit it all in. Um, you know, from the very beginning, mum used to say, you know, we could hardly walk, but she would set me and my brother up on the side of the touch field um, with our food and would sit there, you know, for an hour, two hours, just watching them play. Um, so, you know, I think my lifestyle growing up, Everything was revolved around sports, whether it was family, friends, um, just being outside and having fun. And I think that's where my love kind of came from. Um, So I kind of grew up playing every sport and then went uh, to boarding school in Toowoomba when I was in year nine. And that was kind of quite a defining uh, part of my life. Um, Kind of then started to focus on specifically when I started making touch football representative teams. Um, started focusing more on that. was still dabbling in all other sports for the school and rep stuff, but um, kind of loved playing touch footy and then finished school and thought my life was going to be I'd go to uni, I'd do a teaching degree, I'd finish, and then I'd go somewhere probably 
back out west and teach for the rest of my life. And um, I got a letter in the mail one year into uni saying, hey, there's a sport rugby sevens. Would you like to come give us a try? And um, my mum said, you know, you'd be crazy not to jump at the opportunity. I'd just been named in the Olympics. This camp was at the AIS, which being a sport nut, like I absolutely loved the AIS. So I jumped at any chance I could to go down and visit. And this was all paid for and free. So I jumped at it um, very quickly. And I think I debuted for the Australian Women's Rugby Sevens um, nearly three months after that. So I didn't know this sport existed. And then I found myself out in front of, you know, 35, 40,000 stadium in Dubai um, and not really understanding the game, um, but kind of getting that kind of sink or swim. And uh, luckily, you know, I swam quite well and then established myself as, um, you know, one of the players and the leaders in the group over the next kind of 10 years. And then now uh, where we're at is I've just recently retired the start of the year Um I've become a mother in the last two and a half years as well, which is another big defining um, thing in my life. And I've got another one on the way. So um, that's where, yeah, leads me to now. Wow. Oh, that's fantastic. What an inspiring story. And, you know, I did read up about um, yourself uh, earlier this morning and there were some references I've got here. You know, you've been referred to as Australia's first queen of sevens and then, you know, they they talk about your successful career. I've got here... Uh, Cherry scored a staggering 131 tries across her World Series career alone, including one hat-trick in just 181 seconds, which is just incredible. And, you know, you look at this and you think, you know, that's incredible, that's amazing how uh, Emily's achieved this. But obviously a lot has gone into achieving this. There's been, a, you know, wonderful work ethics, determination, challenges along the way. Can you share that with us, just your work ethics and how you got to that? Yeah, just a side note for that um, hat trick so quickly. Um, we used to have a joke with our coach that, um, you know, if you're ahead by 21 points or kind of more, it was sitting you in a good position going into the game. So um, after I got that hat trick and we were up 21 nil, I think against Brazil in Amsterdam, it was, um, I kind of got to sub and come off. So that was um, a little bit of an incentive as well behind that. But yeah, obviously um, all the hard work, you know, one of my favorite sayings that I got brought up on was it's never going to be easy. It's going to be worth it. Um, and, you know, my mom always reiterated that and to enjoy the journey along the way. And um, yeah, it has been an incredible journey. And I'm so thankful, you know, for the people that probably have stood beside me in all those hard times that, um, you know, some of the sessions we've done, um, the hills, the pain, the burpee, the amount of burpees I've done in my life is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, as I said, it was all it's all worth it in the end and kind of chasing that crazy dream of an Olympic gold medal and for that to come to fruition and look back and um, see our journey along the way and probably not noticing it at the time either. Um, You know, it wasn't always, it wasn't about that end goal. It was about each little step along the way and getting us to that next step of the journey, what it had to take for us to improve and us to get better. Um, So, yeah, I guess for me it was always about, looking at those little wins and how I could improve um, each step along the way and then ultimately it all coming together at the end. Great. And can I just ask, Emily, when it comes to training, so just you mentioned, you know, how the burpees and, you know, that in itself just sounds really painful. But, you know, what is training like when you're training for something like sevens rugby? What What's involved? Oh, rugby sevens, I think if you ask anyone who's played it, we'll say it's probably one of the most brutal sports you can play. I think naively looking at it from the outside, you can look at it and say, okay, the games are only 14 minute long, um, you know, seven minute halves. And that itself kind of seems easy. But when you put it together with the intensity of the game, so we liken it to being, you know, a 400 meter hurdle kind of training where it's that real pain lactate um, threshold that you've got to push through and then you add the skill set into it and then you add, you know, the team dynamics um, and then the thinking under pressure and all these, um, I guess, different components that come into rugby sevens makes it really difficult. And then it's not just one game a day. We play two, um, two days back to back, three games a day. 
And so it's an always up and down. And then that's a really tough part of it. If you were to play one sevens game off, um, you know, might be perceived as easy, but our tournaments um, and what we're put through to make sure our body is ready to go up and down and um, to, you know, meet all our specific fitness components and physical components. Um, it is a really tough and brutal sport. And I honestly, I haven't played a sport um, that, yeah, it requires as much mental and physical toughness as sevens. Emily, can I, I just, you know, when we talk to you, even right now, right, there's a lot of success you carry. I mean, to start with, you are a gold Olympic medalist. So to start with, that alone is already show so much sacrifice and hard work to get there. But I'm sure when you are on the very top in that 10 years, when you are walking to the field, when 30,000 people clapping, people only see you as a finish uh, excellence player. They do not see you when you are tears, sweat, hard work, in pain, injury. Um, so you must you must have a very high resilient and adversity quotient. Like you, you must. So so can you share with us the dark side when you are feeling alone? You know when you thinking about everyone clapping, but you're the one who have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and do the burpees, for example. And when everyone watching you playing with the hamburgers and meat pies, but you can't eat things like that because you need to eat healthy food. Like how, how do you combat that? Because in business, we are the same. Like people do not see the what happened in the cooking room, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's a hard thing, I guess, to explain, but, you know, it's something very common you'll see against um, all really high-performance successful athletes is just thriving on those moments um, when you are pushed to your limit. Um, that I always, it wasn't about beating anyone else. It was about beating my best. So, um, you know, I'd be out at Roma over the kind of the Christmas, we usually have a few weeks off over Christmas and, um, you know, it's always 40 plus degrees every day and um, every day I'd take myself out and I would make the session, would get given a session, I would, you know, I would at least double that session. They would say, you know, run four 1K blocks at this time. I would want to do that and then have a rest and then I'd want to do it again because I wanted to be better that next day. Um, so, yeah, I guess I've always had that innate ability to want to be better um, each day and want to be my best and knowing I can just push myself uh, to the absolute limit and, you know, I'll wake up the next morning, I might be sore, but um, I'm still fit and healthy and I've still got a lovely family surrounded by me and I'm better today because of what I did yesterday. So having that mentality, I think, um, from very early on, and I don't know, you know, it may have come when I was growing up in Roma by myself, I never got... um, you know, Brisbane was a training hub for touch and things like that. So they trained by, um, you know, two times a week and all together the Queensland team. And I would have to, um, you know, do that by myself that I went out and we bought the beep test on a CD and we bought a recorder that um, with an extension cord leading out of the house. So I could do the beep test every afternoon after school because I wanted to beat the best. And, um, you know, the coach did have a scare factor and he said, if you don't get over 12, you're not in the team. And turned out I was the only one doing the beat test every day and I think I was the only, there was two of us that got over 12 um, and I was filthy that the rest stayed in the team. But <laughs> uh, I guess having <laughs> growing up, um, you know, having not so, so much individually because I always had such a big um, kind of support network around me, but knowing in myself I wanted to beat my best every day. That's great. And you seem you seem very determined and and like you said, you know, you want to be the best every day. Curious to know, is there a leader in the rugby world that you actually look up to? Someone that you admire? This is uh, I find this a really tricky question because I guess when I started playing rugby, there's only there were only the kind of the males that you saw on the wallabies or, you know, if you followed NRL, you only saw those males at the pinnacle on TV that we kind of didn't see anything else um, growing up. So I guess from that point of view, I never really had anyone to look up to in the rugby world. We had some really great groundbreaking athletes before us, um, you know, Cheryl Soon and the team that won the 2009 World Cup to then kind of 
they pushed for Rugby Sevens to then be in the Olympics. So definitely that team and Cheryl and everyone behind that, um, I looked up to as groundbreaking because they were the first to play the sport and they were the ones that really pushed it um, for that Olympic movement as well. Um, so I guess that bunch of kind of ladies, but as, um, you know, specific rugby players, um, I guess it was probably my teammates. Um, wow. You know, we achieved some incredible things and I saw some incredible athletes and um, I thought, you know, I think it's pretty cool when I had my daughter and I was able to take her in and she was growing up around these people that I thought were the most incredible role models you could have because I knew physically they were some of the best athletes in Australia and I knew um, that they would always have my back and I knew that they, they were great people as well. So I guess, um, you know, I've always looked up to and admired all my teammates that I played through my career. Well, fantastic. You know, I, I just I just love your energy, Emily, and, and I would be lying to say, you know, even watching from the screen, you are a determined, like you your your energy is like coming through from the screen and um, I don't know whether this is the right question to ask or not but you know we as a small business um, you know we have bad times uh, you know how do you keep your energy like this you are you are a mom now you 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 know you are uh, due to have another one soon um, you know like but your energy your determination even answering your answering this question, what is, do you have any recipe for all of us to make sure that we wake up in the morning ready to, you know, ready to win? Um, that's a hard one, I guess. Just looking at the perspective of, you know, I'm so thankful and grateful for what I've had, um, the experiences I've had in the past. Um, I'm so thankful for that and anything I can do to give back to the people who either helped me there or give back to the people who are now going through those experiences, I think um, I'm incredibly lucky that, as I said before, we didn't have a huge amount of mentors or people to look up to. So um, I guess, you know, that winning Olympic gold medal team in 2016 um, really saw ourselves as those role models for the next um, young boys and young girls to come through. Um, but, yeah, you know, as I said, I'm lucky. I've got a lovely family that um, support me through anything I do and, um, now I've kind of retired. I can take, you know, the last 10 years, my mum has been the biggest supporter of me ever and, um, you know, my husband has sacrificed so much and now I can take a step back and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, um, put their goals and their achievements before mine because I guess when you are a professional athlete, um, it is taxing on everyone, you know, as you said, like not just the training sessions but coming home and, you know, I wasn't able to walk. I was so sore and I had, you know, a six-month-old that needed to be look up, looked after. So I think I'm so grateful that I had that support um, that was, you know, enabling me to chase my crazy and wild dreams. Um, and now, yeah, I guess I can do anything I can do to give back to them or help others, um, I'm going to do. Uh, wow. Considering you said that was a hard one to answer, that was a brilliant answer. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. I just wanted to touch a little bit on the gender stereotype. So wanting to know what it's actually been like uh, breaking these gender stereotypes by playing in what's a wildly successful women's rugby team, considering it's such a male dominant. I mean, we see it with football, whether it's soccer, you know, it, it's really changed. And as you mentioned, you didn't have many mentors, you know, growing up. What was it actually like? Yeah, it was, um, I think, when you come from a sport, so coming from touch football and other sports where you pay to play, um, you know, mum was driving me from Roma to Brisbane every weekend, which, you know, is a nearly a 12-hour, like six hours each way. Um, she was doing that every weekend just to put me in that position. Um, but when I got given this opportunity to play rugby sevens and, um, just to have the thought of, oh, okay, I don't actually have to fork out $800 to go to this camp. Um, I guess I was so grateful at any opportunity we got that we didn't really see now reflecting back on it. Um, you know, the little things that the men got and we didn't, we were just so thankful to get that opportunity to get the next stepping block. And I guess that's where what's gotten us um, to that professional level of today. So my first tour, as I said, was in Dubai, um, and we got there and we got sent to 
the one of the most derelict hotels and Dubai is a very nice place and one of my favourite places in the world. And we got sent to this hotel that was nowhere near the ground, nowhere near the city, in the middle of nowhere. Um, it We got put in smoker's room, so everything smelled like smokes. Um, there was people that got bed bugs. Um, it was, but we were just so stoked we were there. We did not care about anything um, like that, we got given the men's old uniform, so we were wearing men's sized uniforms and shorts and men's socks, which didn't fit us. Um, that look ridiculous looking back now, but um, again, we didn't care. We were happy we were in Dubai and we were going to play on the World Series. Um, you know, we got to the grounds and we didn't have water bottles, and you know, we had our manager had to run over to our Australian men's team to borrow water bottles for our games, and um, you know, it's come such a long way since then, and. Um, you know, I'm thankful too for the girls that played. As I said before us, um, they paid to play and we were kind of the first ones that didn't have to pay. So we were incredibly grateful for that. And now so much has changed. As I said, we became professional athletes in 2013, I think it was. Um, we moved to Sydney. We were given the opportunity um, to do this as our full-time job. And they said, if we wanted to win a gold medal, we've got to invest in you we can't just expect you to rock up every few months and perform the best and win a gold medal after that if we want you to perform and we want you to perform at the best we need to invest in you and you need to invest in us so you need to move to Sydney um and yeah I guess that was one huge move for us because you know two and a half years later three years later we won that gold medal and that was purely because we all came together as a group under this one goal of going to the Olympics. And, um, you know, we never spoke about winning gold either. It wasn't we were going to go win. It was we were going to go and be the best team and we were going to go and be our best team. Um, so we never spoke about, yep, that's that's our gold medal, let's win a gold medal. It was all about the journey towards there. Um, so, yeah, as I said, investing in us, um, we were just so thankful and I guess they got out so much more of us because they were willing to invest and it's amazing now to see I guess across the landscape of Australian women's sport other sports coming on and investing in them and just seeing the rise of you know AFLW and now the um you know the A-leagues in Australia and everything else developing from that I, I guess we were kind of at the forefront of this you know nearly seven years ago uh, being that first professional Australian team um, and kind of, yeah, hockey was the other kind of semi-professional one at the moment and netball. So, um, yeah, as I said, that investment, I'm glad that we could pay them back and they could say, yes, that investment worked. And, um, yeah, we spent every day trying to pay back that investment they had put in us. Well, Emily, uh, you know, when I hear your story, you know, one of the favourite books that I read is by Neil Danaher, When It's All Said and Done. And in chapter two, I think, he said that life is not meant to be fair. Life is not meant to be fair. And and even listening to you, you know, almost most of your teammates live in Brisbane. You live in Roma, driving six hours when you are young. Like, I mean, even the thinking six hours in the car every weekend. And then you're talking about, you know, you're going to Dubai where the men teams will be probably in the best hotel. You are in the... Like there's a lot of things that you say that is just unfair. But yet the way you tell the story, we Natalie and I listening to it is like you have the best life ever, ever, ever because you are so grateful into all the process. Now, do you mind to share? Have you ever thought in that journey that geez, this is just unfair? And how do you uh, how do you get up and kill that thinking if that even ever happened? Because you seems to be someone that. Uh, by nature, you are a very grateful person. Like it's your energy saying it all. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I honestly probably never had that thought that, as you said, I was always grateful, um, never thinking that I would get this opportunity. Like I love sport and if you'd asked me, um, you know, growing up at school, could I be a professional athlete? I would have said, yeah, I would have loved to, but I never thought that that was an opportunity. You know, I always wrote down a very generic answer because, um, I couldn't ever imagine myself being a little girl and then becoming a professional athlete. And um, I guess I've always loved a challenge. Like, um, you know, like most professional athletes, if you tell us 
we can't do something. We're going to go out of our way to do absolutely anything to prove to you that we can do it. And I think that was a huge part of my career that I was, um, you know, the two kind of really influential coaches I had um, through that period, kind of Tim Walsh and Scotty Bowen. And Scotty Bowen always used to say to us, like, I bet you you can't do this or I can do this. Can you do that? And we're like, yeah, of course we can do that. We can do that better than you. Or um, So I guess that was one thing that I've always loved is I've loved a challenge. I've loved proving people wrong. Oh, that's great. And, Emily, you've mentioned quite a few times, you know, investing in people and how important that was to your team. And, Gus, I was going to ask you this because as the CEO of Peerlight, obviously, you know, you would you would be investing in your people. Is that correct? Is that the same in business? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I agree with Emily. I think the success of organization or a team depend on how much we invest back to the development and growth of the people. And unfortunately, we can talk about strategy, we can talk about executions, we can talk about anything, we can talk about equipment, uh, but unless we help the people, the team, and invest back in their growth, development, we will fail. And I think organization today start to be much better because we actually, uh, you know, many organizations now have a lot of access for training, development, uh, you know, within the industry, outside the industry. You know, as I mentioned to Emily before we start the live show, business tend to look at sports people. We, we love to relate anything to sports, right? We, we're not even a sports people, right? But, but yet, there is a disconnect because when we talk to elite sports people, the amount of hard work and discipline is far more than business. They wake up at four, five o'clock. They do the burpees, <laughs> like Emily, the, the world number one burpees, apparently, right? So we, we don't do that. The higher you are in the, in the organization, you don't do the training no more. Yet I'm sure when Emily at the top of the, uh, of the game, you will actually do the training just as the juniors that come through or probably more, but not in business. And that's the type of things we need to do. We need to invest in people. We need to make sure that they keep practicing. We need to make sure that whoever even leading the business still do the basic right. Yeah, no, that's great. And even, Emily, another thing you mentioned, you've said so many great things. You mentioned, you know, growing up, you didn't have a lot of mentors. Uh, just out of curiosity, are you now mentoring others now that you've been through it, you know what it's like? Are you mentoring? Um, oh, I wouldn't say specifically, but, you know, I've, as I said, I've always found myself um, in, you know, I've been grateful to be in a very privileged position um, now for the 10 years and um, seeing that next group to kind of come through that Australian uh, Women's Rugby Sevens team, I guess, as a part, when I was a part of that group and being in that leadership group, um, being able to, you know, nurture and develop those younger players was always um, a passion of mine. And now kind of dabbling and starting to, um, yeah, dabbling coaching as well. Um, I love that aspect of it. And, um, you know, working with a few development teams at the moment. And, um, yeah, as I said, I'm so grateful for the opportunities I got given and um, there wasn't necessarily, you know, lots of people out there guiding us or challenging us um, to do what it w took to kind of improve and to make it to that elite level. So I guess, yeah, anything I can do um, to give back is, yeah, my kind of duty at the moment. Fantastic. So I guess then, you know, going on in business, we're usually told to focus on individual strengths. So I wanted to see how true is this actually in elite sports where, you know, we focus on someone's strength rather than, I guess, developing a weakness. It's very common in the business world. Is this true also? In yeah, I think that's probably something, I guess, high-performance sport um, sometimes misses the opposite way of that. So they focus too much on the weaknesses and forget about strengthening the strengths and, um, I guess, you know, a bit of backstory to that Olympic gold winning team. Um, you know, there was out of the 12, 11 hadn't played rugby five years prior to that. Um, and you could probably say the 11 out of the 12 had no idea what rugby sevens even was five years prior to that. So our coach kind of had this idea that, um, you know, rather than this is our model and I need to find players that fit into this model 
he had the idea of I'm going to find these amazing athletes with um, attributes that can transfer into the sport and I'm going to change the game model and we're going to change the game to work to their strengths. Um, and, you know, we always used to speak about that you had to be in sevens, you had to be a jack of all trade um, and a master of few. So, um, you know, we all had to know, you know, simple things, how to pass. We all had to be really fit and we all knew how to tackle. But then you had these offshoots from a kind of our model that was specific to each player um, and each player's strengths. So I think that was a really important part on us um, that we weren't kind of confined to a box of saying this is what an, an, a sevens player needs to look like. Um, we kind of melded that and created that to our own strengths and we obviously worked ridiculously hard on our weaknesses as well. But um, I think that's a really important thing that sometimes I think professional athletes forget is to work on your strengths and we used to, you know, strengthen our strengths. So, um, you know, that's your point of difference and that's why, you know, you're either such a good athlete or you're such a good player is because of those strengths and minimizing those uh, weaknesses. I'm a I'm a very big believer in that concept, Emily. You know, I say, you know, one of the best quotes that I always like is from Albert Einstein. Uh, you know, do not judge a fish for its ability to fly. You know, so, you know, in business in particular, we tend to feel that if you are in a particular industry, that you need to actually just keep getting people from the same industry because that's the best we can get. Learning from what you said before, five years prior, uh, you know, 11 out of the 12 came, uh, don't even know what's rugby, but the coach, the great coach focused on the strength. It's it just incredible risk-taking on that. And I must say, the coach must put a lot of investment that you talk about to the team to Oh, I think we're having a technical. Um, you know, when. Sorry, Gus, you cut out just the so last it's, bit. It's incredible. We... Okay. Yeah. So I'm just saying that to be able to uh, arrive at that high winning position when uh, 11 out of the 12 don't even know what's rugby five years prior uh, required a lot of investment. Yeah. And I think, um, as I said before, like they, they obviously invested in us, but us investing too. So um, we worked really hard on creating that culture. Um, as I said, we had some of Australia's best athletes in there, but, um, you know, obviously to teach them the knowledge and teach them the game um, was, you know, a master stroke by our coach and everyone involved. And we learned along the way. And as I said, we changed the game. Um, you know, that women's sevens, how it was played along the way as well. But we had this incredible culture where everyone just bought into um, everything we used to do and that was kind of what underpinned our success at the end of the day was um, our culture and wanting to do the best for each other um, because we were just so invested, I guess, with each other um, as well. And, um, yeah, we worked really hard on that culture. As, as, as I said, we all came from different backgrounds. We all had not much knowledge of the sport, but, um, it doesn't take much, I guess, to start breaking down barriers between, um, you know, female athletes. And we created this really great environment where we were all there. Um, we were all set to the same standards. We all held each other accountable. Um, you know, our thing, our cultural piece for the, that Olympic campaign um, was the letters RAW, so R-O-A-R. Um, so we had, I was sorry about the language, but it was about rough bitches. So we were going to be ruthless. We were going to be the roughest. We were going to be the most dominant, both on and off the field. We weren't going to let anything pass us. Um, and then O was about the Olympic dream, so being able to perform and be the best team at the Olympics. Uh, A stood for accountability, so we were all accountable for our actions and others' actions as well. And then R was about respect, so about respecting ourselves, respecting our teammates, respecting officials, coaches, everything that came under that and respecting our role in the community as well. And um, that cultural piece we built along the way was, yeah, our absolute centrepiece to the success. Wow. Isn't that great? And even, Gus, we can even talk, you know, relate that business ways. You know, we don't have an acronym such as RAW, but we have our internal values, you know, and how important yeah. they are in the culture of a business. And like you said, Emily, you know, 
I mean, anyone listening out there right now could say, I would love Emily working in my, whether it's yeah. a kebab shop or whatever it is, Gus. <laughs> but, but you really do have this, you know, you can see the determination, the positivity, the gratitude that you have. And that kind of lends me to the next kind of thing we wanted to discuss, which is about teamwork. So teamwork is obviously significant uh, in, in elite sport. What lessons do you think business owners can actually take from teamwork at this level? Because we work in teams, but once it comes to teamwork out there on the field, it's, I think, next level. Um, I think, you know, I just touched on it before and it all comes back to that cultural piece and, um, you know, wanting the best for someone else, um, whether, you know, you're sacrificing for yourself or, um, you know, their best also helps your best as well. Um, that was always a big thing that, um, you know, if someone else was doing your best and they're doing their PB, like I wanted to beat my PB as well and wanted to be my best. Um, so I guess that teamwork coming down, um, you know, onto the field, it was hours breaking down barriers and creating, you know, funny little pieces along the way. We used to do, um, you know, lots of singing and dancing and writing poems and acting and um, lots of things that probably got us out of our comfort zone a little bit, um, being professional athletes. But, um, yeah, as I said, it really broke down barriers and really got us investing in each other, um, that we weren't just a team when we turned up to training. Um, we weren't just a team when we walked on the field. We were a team, both on it and off it, and I think that started from that cultural piece and living those standards um, both at training but living those standards away from training as well um, really helped us kind of invest in becoming um, the best team we could um, and understanding, I guess, understanding your role was another huge factor in that um, our coach was always really great at, um, you know, we had a game model and everyone understood their role in that and sometimes you know most of the time you were never going to be the centerpiece of that that it was all this little underworking and understanding that your role it may help yourself but it's going to help someone else and in the end in the long run it's going to help the team and that's our end goal is to help the team so I guess understanding what my role and being really comfortable with my role in the team was always really important as well um, that you know I knew I was um, you know, someone that was never going to talk heaps. And even though I was in the leadership group, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> I didn't. I don't love talking, um, you know, to people all the time. And um, I think, you know, knowing that I was this kind of tactical person behind the scene that could, um, you know, make decisions or see things and really um, contemplate things and really think through things. Like I knew that was my role kind of off the field. And then on the field I knew that I was one of the main game callers and I knew that I had to organise this person and this person and know their strengths and know their weaknesses. Um, so I guess, yeah, playing my role within that team um, and understanding that and understanding others' roles as well so I could help them or I could not inhibit them um, to be successful in their role to help the team um, was a really um, another important factor. You know, when I hear what you said before, you know, uh, maybe Natalie, this is the time we bring the kebab shop. So we always said that I is we are working in the kebab shop. Around this time, we we tend to bring the kebab shop to uh, to uh, to lead a talk. Um, you know, just like a sports team, there is the one that uh, will be kicking the goal, and the one that kicking the goal will be featured on Channel Seven or Channel Nine or whatever channels, right? But what you said, everyone have a role. Uh, in my business as a kebab owner, uh, I'm the one who cooked the kebab. So I get all the recognition. Natalie is in the counter, uh, you know, uh, getting the orders. No one congratulates her. But the reality is if Natalie not doing her job, the kebab shop closed, right? So how, how do you look after each other? Though? Because the reality is human being come with its own ego, its own hunger. The, in every team, there always be the one that will be the mascot. Uh, and yet there is other, like what you said, there's other people that require to make the game and the team works. Uh, as a team, how do you look after each other? What's your message to our kebab shop? So Natalie don't feel like she's just there to, <laughs> to, to serve the customer while I'm looking like I'm the, the makers of the kebab. Like, I mean, uh, what, what's your message? What, what do you do within the team to make sure that um, everyone will look after? 
Yeah, it's it's hard because I guess um, we were probably quite lucky going into that Olympic campaign that we had, I think we had 22 contracted girls and, um, you know, I say the 12 that won kind of the gold medal, but, um, you know, everyone was a huge part of that and we wouldn't have been the team and players we were without that whole wider squad um, and the people would come in and out of sessions and, um, you know, they had made... Um, so many sacrifices, whether, you know, there were injuries and they had to watch us win, knowing that they may have been on the podium with us. And um, I guess just acknowledging that fact as well. It sounds simple, but acknowledging those little wins. So it's not always about, um, you know, we used to have little awards. So um, we had, you know, trainer of the week or um, we had a, a raw award. So around our cultural piece, raw award. So it was an off-field award that we would award, I think, every three to four weeks for someone who's done something off the field, um, you know, that was positive, whether it was uni or whether, you know, they organised someone's birthday present or little things like that that we acknowledged. Um, it wasn't just all about who made the team for the next tournament. Um, it was all about um, having a real holistic approach, um, I guess, to it all. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah, and look, we've touched on teamwork, but I actually want to ask about coaching and, you know, coaching styles because obviously as an elite athlete, you would have had different coaches with different coaching styles, just like in business, there's different leaders with different leadership styles. So as an, an elite athlete, are there any particular coaching methods or styles that you found that actually worked better for you? Um, look, I'm quite... I would say I'm quite an adaptable person and I can kind of adapt and to any kind of environment I'm probably um, thrown into. But I think seeing others and seeing myself fit in with others and thrive in an environment where it is that real holistic approach. So we weren't just, I never saw myself as a rugby player. I was never just a rugby player. Um, you know, I was always Emily Cherry and I was always so proud that I grew up in Roma and I loved my family and I had uni to do as well and um, you know I played rugby as well and then I had my daughter so I had um, all these other things in my life that I could kind of lean on or um, use to inspire me I guess and having that holistic approach from the program um, obviously the coach delivers that but the program itself um, facilitates that holistic approach and I guess I was so thankful um, that yeah that was kind of my experience through my sevens career was that we had a coach that was really facilitative of a holistic approach so as I said um, you know my best friends now were all the girls in that team um, that I'm so thankful that you know I've got friends for life um, and we created these awesome experiences but um, at the end of the day, like they were my best friends and I would still do anything and they'd do anything for me. Um, so I guess creating not just athletes, not pumping out athletes to create results, but, um, you know, we've always said that good people make good sevens rugby players and um, I can't think that that's more truthful in kind of the coaching style and the program style itself, um, focusing on the athlete as a whole and not just um, an athlete's physical abilities. Yes. Yeah. What a and, great and answer. Then, what, what a great insight from that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we're talking about the holistic approach. And then I guess if we were to flip it the other way, Emily, because obviously we would have had different coaches, are there any styles that particularly perhaps didn't work for you? Like, you know, I, I'll give you an example. You know, in the leadership where one of my previous uh, bosses or that I reported to was a very heavy micromanager. So it's something that now that I'm, you know, own my own business, don't want to replicate. So it actually built me to show me what I didn't want to become. So if we were to flip it, was there anything in the instance that perhaps you, you know, that didn't work for you? Um, look, I've been quite lucky that I had one of, I think, the greatest coaches ever for a long period of time throughout my whole career. So I guess, um, you know, I am grateful for that. But, you know, other sporting, um, you know, um, past that I've had and experiences as well um, in rugby, you know, before or after him, I guess. Um, just having the ability to be so open and feel like I was always heard and I was really valued within that. Um, 
as I said before, like I was really always across what my role was in the team and I felt really valuable because I knew my role in the team. Um, And I guess that underpins like when I probably haven't felt, I haven't bought in or felt as, um, you know, connected within the team was probably those times where I wasn't, um, I guess, yeah, I don't know if this is, a bit dramatized but I wasn't as valuable didn't feel as valuable I was unsure of my role um, and my role towards the coach or my role towards the team so yeah I guess that was um, probably it yeah and I guess I don't remember which leader talk it was but we really touched on this about someone I don't remember what episode it was but really understanding what your role and responsibility is as an employee and yes, how important 100%. that is to the overall teamwork and success of a small or medium business owner because yes. otherwise they're just interpreting something and not knowing how to yes. get to the end result. Yes, and many business fail on this because when we talk about role and responsibility, it's only as far as the job description. That's now, right. people that look at the job description will never be a holistic team player because they don't actually really understand the the, the the benefit of their role to the to the whole team and i yeah. think listening to emily the great coach that bringing the whole team is able to make every individual understand their impact to the team itself and i think businesses leaders in business that have the ability to make sure whether you are the forklift driver the receptionist the general manager operation manager all know the impact to the whole organization, we'll have an advanced organization. Uh, that, that, that I totally agree with Emily. And, and, you know, I'm just taking notes, you know, someone that can see a person as a holistic, you know, Emily Cherry from Roma, you know, love her cereal is as important as Emily Cherry that can do a thousand burpees. <laughs> right? Like, like yeah. is that because, yeah. because you don't want to talk to Emily about the burpees every single day, you know. Sometimes we want to talk about um, you know, cereal. cereal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think what you mentioned before, Emily, you know, and it's important for all business owners out there to understand that your employee isn't just an employee. They, It's this whole holistic approach where they can also be a mother or a friend or a student, you know, studying. There, there's so much more to a person. And it sounds like this holistic approach that was taken with you in elite sport was also very empowering and has allowed you to also build you to get to where you are. Would you agree with that, Emily? Yeah, definitely. And um, I think, you know, everyone knows that you can't be a rugby player. We always used to say you can't play rugby for the rest of your life. And um, we wanted to create, as I said, we wanted to create good people. So when we left the program, the program was in a better place, but we were also in a better place ourselves leaving the program. And I think, um, yeah, all the little work we used to do and focuses on um, our world outside of rugby, whether it was kind of creating that friendship group, even though it was with the team, but it was kind of outside that rugby setting or focusing on what people were doing at uni or what tape course they wanted to do. And, um, yeah, that was definitely a big part of it. Wow. Emily, I just saw a, a note from uh, uh, one of the uh, respectful veterans, uh, Sergeant Mayor Max Garcia. Uh, used to be the sergeant mayor from U.S. Marine, now living in Sydney. This is what he said to you. I love how humble you are, Emily. Giving credit to your team and the strong desire to give back speaks volume about your character despite your level of success. And I I just want to say through the screen, that's how we actually feel your energy. You know, all your stories, like, you know, you, you do not put sugarcoat anything. Like, I mean, you can say it my... Uh, you know, like I live in Sydney somewhere. You are very proud of where you come from. You are very proud of the fact that your mom drives six hours. Like you don't sugarcoat anything, you know, to the extent, you know, when we say, what's your favorite food after winning uh, Olympic medals? I thought you will say something very, very, uh, you know, out there from uh, from Brazil or something like uh, cereal, right? Like that's what you love. That's what you say. That's what you love. That's what you give to the to the world hey i don't need to be the same like everyone else i like this and this is what i value and i i just want to share what max said to you on the, on the note like it's, uh, it's uh, fantastic 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I guess I've been, as I said, I've been grateful to be able to be, I guess, so authentic in my life with the support I've had around me. They've always supported me no matter what I've kind of done. They've gone above and beyond. Um, so, yeah, I guess I've had some incredible role models throughout my life, um, you know, being my close family. Yeah. And I'm looking at the time, Gus, so I'm going to have to hand it over to you to wrap up this episode okay. of Leader Talk. Gus always does his summaries at the end. Okay. Emily, uh, first I just would like to say thank you. Oh, and it looks like we're having a technical issue. Uh, not to mention you have to uh, run around to look after your uh, your daughter. And, um, you know, we wish you well with the upcoming babies, uh, baby that, uh, you know, coming soon. Um, so this is what I think. I, I write few notes uh, that I really like and I think relevant for the business world. Uh, it's never going to be easy, but it will be worth it. That's from your mom. It's never going to be easy, but it will be worth it. It's never about the end goals. It's about looking at little wins and improvements. And I think this is so important for the business world because if you just work on the end goals, it's become finite. And when I related to the book of Simon Sinek, uh, The Infinite Mindset, and this is what he's talking about. You know, if you just want to win the medals, what happened after winning the medals? The team will never become your best friends. And I love the way you keep saying, the team become my best friend. They will do everything for me equally I do for them. And that's come from you and your concept of it's never about the goals, it's about looking at the little win. Uh, and this is what I really love. Uh, and I think I learned as well on this. It's never about beating anyone else. It's about beating our best records. I mean, how incredible is that? If every day we can all wake up in business and say, forget about the competition for, for the time being, because many people in business always wake up and say, how can I beat them? Well, that's why we never beat them, because we always chase the tile. But if we always improve, we will win. Emily Cherry, you are an outstanding a guest for Leader Talk. You are an outstanding uh, representation of Australia. You are an outstanding uh, athlete, even though you are retired. But your energy, oh my God, it's just like, did you drink brokers before this <laughs> before this or something? Like, I mean, oh my God. No, no coffees, no nothing. This is, this no is coffee, me. <laughs> no, I tell you, you shouldn't drink any coffee because your energy is just so powerful. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. No, Can I, I just say, I can't even get that much energy, even drinking coffee or Baraka. <laughs> I must say my daughter's at daycare today, so I have a bit more energy than I usually oh, have. She <laughs> hasn't been running around my heels all day. But, um, no, I appreciate the talk. And as you said, I hopefully um, you got some insights of being um, a professional athlete and how that transfers into, um, you know, creating successful businesses as well. Thank Thank you, Thank you so much for your time, Emily. And, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, for more information on Leader Talk or for some great insights to help your business grow, check out brainiac.com.au. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Leader Talk. 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 Leader Talk.